Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'd like to welcome you back to the brand new podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. Today, I'm going to be talking to a very special guest. This is my friend, James Dowling. You can follow him online on Twitter at James P. Dowling. That's D-O-W-L-I-N-G. He is a student of many different things. I will allow him to introduce himself. So what's up, James? How are you doing? Hey man, can I just say briefly that uh, I'm really depressed that you did not do a show in Manchester recently on your recent tour. I was looking forward to you coming up. Oh man, do it. I, I actually got in touch with a couple of venues, but they they let me down. They didn't get back to me <laughs> in time. So, you know, I, I only had a couple of weeks to sort it all out. So next time we'll make it happen. Yeah, just yeah, make sure you remedy that I mistake. Will. But uh, it's an absolute honor to be on your on your podcast. One of the first guests on your, your podcast was absolutely fantastic. To anyone who doesn't know me, uh, my name is James. I would identify, I suppose, as what identify you, as. What, what do you identify as, James? <laughs> <laughs> <We're> st- <laughs> my, well, yeah, my, my, my personal pronouns are, so PhD student, uh, I'm, I'm engaged at the age of 22, so I like to consider that somewhat an achievement. And uh, my stuff on social media, YouTube and Twitter, is all about self-improvement and philosophy, sort of a blend between the two of them. And as I go through my life, I'm documenting that stuff on social media so that I can help people along the way. That's awesome, man. Especially, especially at twenty-two, man. That's uh, that's big. You, I, I know. Um, I followed a lot of your work online. Obviously, I'll follow you on Twitter. I've known you for. I mean, when did I? I first met you in person in Guildford. I think. Yeah. Probably when, when you when you were like twenty fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, when you were a teenager, basically. Yeah. So you know, it's good for me from my perspective to see your growth and you know see you launching your podcast, which is Invicta. You can check that out, by the way. The Invicta podcast, that's James's podcast. You can check that out online. But yeah, today we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation. We're just going to see where everything takes us. So you've already started by mentioning philosophy as well as self-improvement. So how do you see those two things linked? I think that would be an interesting start. Do you want to expand a little bit on your philosophical interests and inspirations and how that links to self-improvement in your own life and how you think it can help to impact other people? Mm, I, usually I don't like the word philosophy to be honest I use it because I don't really know what else to use because it's kind of a dusty boring word so like who yeah. the hell cares about philosophy right but everyone has some kind of desire to get better so so normally what people do usually when they're young is, is they'll discover certain habits that they can do or certain things they can cut out of their life which makes them better and that's actually just a really low resolution philosophy so if you go one level down you end in the philosophical realm and mm-hmm. if you go a level further down it's religion so all of those things are actually reflections on things you should be doing and things you shouldn't be doing. And, yeah. and the, the metric is approximately a meaningful life to, to gain wisdom, to be strong, to survive in an evolutionary capacity across time. So my, my stance 
generally is whatever is able to maximize my stability, my flourishing across whatever metrics I choose. So for example, finances and relationships, things of that mm -hmm. nature. Over the longest period of time, I would consider that to be wise and good. And therefore I would do it myself and I would highly encourage everyone else to do it. There'll be variability, of course, within certain metrics, but there are definitely things which lots of people are currently doing, which are considered normal. And I do not like them one little bit because I consider it an absolute disaster. Sure. Do you want to give any example or a couple of them? Yeah, pornography is a massive example. Pornography is nothing but destructive. The scientific evidence on that is crystal clear. The the thousands upon thousands of reboot accounts online, so people who have given this up, is pretty mm. clear. Uh, I've recently given up alcohol as well. I think alcohol is 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 a huge social evil. Like the yeah. the amount of time and energy that you waste on alcohol and partying, things of that yeah. nature, including at the expense of your health. So that's not a very good idea. Not focusing on relationships and instead focusing on sleeping around, mm -hmm. I think is, is, is pointless at best, harmful at worst. It's just sort of a few examples for you. Sure. And yeah, I mean, what do you think? I, I've got my own ideas on why those things are on the rise and why they seem to be taking root and growing, certainly amongst a certain demographic in society, which is, you know, I'd say people... My age, I'm I'm 32, but I guess people who are up to maybe 10 years older than me, down to people who are 20 years younger than me, mm. you know, there seems to be a rise in some of those behaviors. What do you, I've got my, like I said, I've got my own personal thoughts, which I can share on that. But what do you think is, what do you think is at the root of that? Uh, initially, the Nietzsche's proclamation of the death of God, mm -hmm. which, which for anyone who's un unfamiliar basically means that when Christianity when the belief in the literal metaphysic of God died, then all the morality that was built on top of that mental structure also collapsed with it. So our value systems collapsed. Mm. So I think that's when we began to see the the decay of, of values, the decay of Western civilization, whatever, whatever buzzword you prefer to use. But it's, it's simple things as well, like parenting and a rise in single motherhood. The fact that many, many young men, for example, are growing up without fathers when you go in, into universities, there's not a, there's not a sense of mission and wisdom. It's now a sense of we have to tear everything apart and destruction. And yeah. it's, it's the postmodernist tradition where you look back and everything was just a construct of of power and evil, dead white men. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no there's you, no encouragement. You, you, you know about anymore. those evil evil dead white men. We I've I've been I've been told <laughs> by some people that they're they're the devil. You know, um, I don't buy it personally, which uh, I've I've received some of my own personal flack and criticism for because I don't really by that whole argument but um carry on no yeah i don't, I don't buy it either it's it's well silly first of all and, and yeah. definitely motivated by resentment deep down but it's there's no encouragement for people to have a sense of purpose in their lives long-term purpose it's like how often are people encouraged to have a long-term relationship and have a family like encouraged mm. actively to do that by people older than them like it doesn't happen well i think it depends a lot on See, I think with me, it's interesting because with my own personal background, so I obviously am, I am British despite my accent not giving it away. So I was born in the UK. However, my family is originally from Nigeria. Both my parents are Nigerian, Igbo to be specific. And, you know, lots of my family going back is from Nigeria. And then I actually grew up in Saudi Arabia from the age of one. So interestingly, I think well, not I think. I mean, I do have, I'd say, quite a wide perspective on these things because I've kind of grown up in three very different but quite strong cultures. So I'd say, you know, traditional British culture is certainly strong. 
traditional Nigerian culture, Igbo culture is strong and Saudi Arabia has its complete own type of culture and having grown up across those different ones and been able to compare and contrast them, see things from those different angles. I think it's been a it's a it's an interesting subject for me, which is something which is why I'm I'm keen to delve into it a little bit more and talk about it a little bit more. I think mm. there does seem to be a lot of appetite for these conversations. You know, I think if you look at certain figures who you know have become extremely influential, you know, I know both of us are big fans of Jordan Peterson, for example, mm -hmm. and his message. I think it's interesting because in some ways a lot of it is what you'd refer to as quite traditional common sense. To some people, he's come across as this big controversial figure or someone who says things that are somehow outlandish, whereas a lot of it, I, I think that's a mess. I think that kind of shows how far we've gone or we've slipped in certain ways because it's like, there's very, you know, I've listened to at this stage, tens if not hundreds of hours of uh, of that guy talk. And it's like, there's very little there that I find particularly contentious or controversial, mm. you know, you know, people can, people will disagree with different ideas and it's the same, you know, I mean, with a lot of the things that I talk about, a lot of the things I see you talking about, the aim isn't to provoke or to be controversial, certainly not to be offensive or obscene. I don't think, you know, that's anyone's motive here, but mm. it seems odd sometimes that you can just say something that seems like quite an obvious truth or something that's existed for hundreds or thousands of years with good reason and people suddenly want to burn it down or throw it out the window and replace it with I don't really know what that's that, that that's that's something that mm. I, I you know it's it's hit me a lot in the last couple of years kind of you know as a teenager when I was when I was a teenager when I was in my early 20s I went through you know the different stages of questioning a lot of questioning the purpose of a lot of traditions shall we say you know, even even simple structures like marriage or, mm. you know, like, yeah, you know, marriage, monogamy, the way, certain ways things are done in the society or in economics or whatever. And, you know, having that just it, it, thinking about it in an, in an intellectual way, I think that's, you know, just normal to think, oh, OK, does it what's the reason for that? Does it have to be like that? Oh, do I you know, when you're 18 years old, it's easy to go whether you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, really. It's it's easy to think, oh, you know, what's the point of all this? Or yeah, marriage mm. is outdated. We don't need. And then I think as you get older, um, obviously you've you've clocked this at twenty two or even earlier, which is fantastic. But as you get older, you start to better understand the purpose of these things and why you know why is marriage a? Not, not, it's not a. I mean, it's a global. It's a global institution. Yep. In every in all these disparate cultures that have come up differently and evolve differently, it's pretty much the standard. And it has been for millennia, as far mm -hmm. as I'm aware. And you realize, I guess, a little bit of the arrogance of thinking, oh, you know what, maybe I know better than everybody else and everybody who came before me. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, uh, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I don't, we, we can talk Twitter later, but, you know, I was having a debate with someone on Twitter who was talking about having children being selfish. And that there's no oh, reason. I've seen, yeah, I've it, seen those arguments before. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. It was you know like I, I'm interested in speaking to all all sorts of people, but you know it, it kind of hit me. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it for the next couple of days. Just like wow, there's people who it's one of those things. I mean, funnily enough, I mean I've 
it wasn't a completely foreign argument to me because I've had times, you know, when I was 18 or whatever, and I was like, ah, you know what? It would be cool to just be a bachelor for my, for my entire life, right? I'll just have all this money and I can just do what I want and whatever. And then, mm. again, as I've gotten older, it's been like, eh, that, the appeal has, <laughs> the, the appeal has, has weakened. And it's kind of like, yeah. And you're thinking about all the people who came before you. And it's like, all of us are the result of an unbroken chain of yep. <laughs> reproduction and ancestry. Yeah. And, the you know, the antinatalist types are really, really interesting. It's like a reflection of a deeper type of nihilism. So if you're behaving in a way that means that you are not going to breed and that you want everyone else to not breed at the same time, how could that possibly be a true philosophy by definition? It's anti-evolution. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it's odd. It's like you don't even need to take a religious perspective on that one. It's just like, I mean, if, if, even if you're the most pure, atheistic, scientific, rational thinker who's completely based in evolution and science and biology, you'd still realize okay like even if the point of this whole thing is to pass on your genes and that's all mm. then essentially if you don't even do that i mean of course you know it stops down to individual choices and saying anybody has to do anything but to well, the, the idea fundamentally is that life is bad that must be the thing it's like if yeah. life is if life is is more bad than good why would you not have children it's like yeah. that's actually really sad because for most people life isn't more bad than good no. so either these individuals have a really terrible life in which case my sympathies or they've been poisoned by some kind of ideology which makes them feel like that and we're actually seeing like what, what you were saying earlier is like what we're seeing is when you someone criticize Jordan Peterson, it's never people saying Jordan Peterson's wrong on this point because of X, Y, Z. It's always this guy is evil and he's corrupting the youth or words to that effect. Yeah. And we're seeing that in politics as well. It's like it's not like Trump versus Hillary, for example. It's like Trump is 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 Satan and Hillary is mm -hmm. the savior or vice versa. And that's yeah. really interesting because it's, it's like the punch a Nazi idea right it's like it's, it's like you like there is no gradient anymore there is no, no nuance it's like evil therefore we can shut you down and kill you and and suppress your right your fundamental rights like, for, like free speech yeah. it's like what, what this weird ideology that's seeping into everything i think it's the same thing in politics it's the same mm. thing with these antinatalist types it's very very alarming yeah it's bizarre i mean it's really dark as well because what's the best way to put it i mean it's not it's not hard to extrapolate that and see how someone can go down an extremely dark hole because it's I mean you said that it's people thinking that life is bad it's not even just that it's that human li human life specifically yes. is bad because a lot of those people tend to be very I've also noticed this they tend to be very pro animal rights and animal welfare which is fine you know lots of them will be vegetarians or vegans and which is fine right like I, mm. I can completely understand that from a compassion perspective i was a vegetarian myself for seven years so that's not like a foreign concept to me in the mm. slightest but it seems bizarre this juxtaposition between loving animals and loving non-human life and wanting to save and protect that but then wanting you know having a disdain for your fellow human beings and perhaps for yourself and thinking oh you know what maybe it would be better if we just if there were far less of us or none of us you know, mm. and in a completely logical environment, if you take a full 100% environmentalist approach, I can understand the argument that, you know what, the earth and its resources would be better off without human beings. It's like, mm. it's, I think it, I think it catches people because it's, it's right in a way, right? It's, it's correct. It's correct in a way there would be less pollution. There would be less deforestation. You wouldn't have plastic and oceans and all that, but mm -hmm. It's like you said, it, it's so nihilistic. It's just like, well, it's, it, it's, it's hard correct. 
Right? It's like, yeah. it's like you're really going to turn to a newborn baby and say, like, you don't have a right to exist because you're damaging the planet. It's like, well. and, like you, how, how could you do that? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's like they'll take a look at the damage human beings do mm. and then they'll say that's innate to being a human. And it's like, wait a minute, why? Like, what about all the human beings who are working to protect the environment? Exactly. Like, do they also, are they just as bad as the others? In which case, why bother? And yeah. in which case, if human life's so bad, why don't you kill yourself? Yeah. You're not going to do that because you don't believe it to that extent. No. So it's like, that actually cheers me up a bit to a really weird sadistic like, <laughs> like, like, degree because it's like, maybe you're not a true nihilist, you're just a virtue signaler instead. Yeah. Now, when, when you start having mass suicides, then we're like, okay, this has gotten out of hand. It's, yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. I, in one of those conversations I was having with someone, at some point I was actually going to be like, "Well, why don't you, why don't you?" And I was like, "You know what? Let me, let me not say, that. <laughs> you know, for a lot of reasons, let let me not say that." But my, based on their own argument, the logical conclusion was kind of like, "Well, why don't you, you know, start with yourself if if it's that bad?" And it's like, "No, that's not to anyone who's trying to take me out of context. That's not me condoning that." But it's like it's just. Exp expressing the absurdity of the argument it just doesn't make sense and yeah i mean i don't think you i think we both believe there's a lot of value in religious belief but again you don't need to you don't need to make a religious argument for that mm. you can just base it in evolution and survival and the good that humans do i think you know one thing i've noticed one thing I've really noticed is I think a lot of the way people, individuals view the world is I think you've got a lot of people. I do think the vast majority of people believe that human beings capacity for good is, you know, and tendency to do good generally outweighs the bad and the evil. Mm. Right. I think anybody who is. Who's really thought about it and is well educated and is honest, understands we've got capacity for great good and great evil within each individual. Uh, some people, the the balance might be different for different people. Mm -hmm. But I think anyone who's honest is aware of that and recognizes it. But I think you've got a, fortunately, I think it's a minority of people, but I think you do have a substantial amount of people in the modern day, and per perhaps always, who do think that the bad that people do outweighs the good, and therefore, logically, the less people the better and mm. yeah and and that's just mm. i think that's the source of a lot of you know some of the worst stuff that's 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 ever happened and mm. the worst stuff that does happen whether you're talking about school shooters whether you're talking about you know individual suicides whether you're talking about complete genocides i think it all stems from that idea of okay the less of the less people period or the less of a certain kind of people the better and i think as soon as someone starts thinking like that i just think it's the, i think it's the first couple of steps of potentially a a very dark path and so as mm. soon as people start talking like that I, it does raise some alarm bells for me like whoa like you might not want to go too far down that rabbit hole because if you accept certain premises the logical conclusions are not good mm. <laughs> usually that seems to scare people off Thankfully, because yeah. it's, like, it's an encounter with the Jungian shadow and the shadow is so terrifying. Like, when I, I try and do shadow work myself, so mm. basically to try and examine 
the absolute catastrophes and bad behavior that you're capable of doing is one of the fundamental points of this is like to understand that you're capable of great evil it's not something you outsource to hitler for example it's like you're you're also able to do that but it is so terrifying like imagine the worst possible act you could ever do not obviously going to say it on air but it's like imagine that you're capable of it god damn so normally that scares people off but sometimes it doesn't and sometimes Mm. under the right social conditions it seems to be that people, like, they fall into it. But it's, that's not the wrong way of thinking about it, I think. It's like it consumes you. Because the mm. shadow is is actually its own autonomous entity. It actually has its own life. So, like, mm. like Zuby isn't actually Zuby. Zuby is, like, Zuby the ego. And then the shadow is, like, a separate thing that can talk to you. Yeah. It's, like, and that's terrifying. So you've got, like, an evil little person in your head talking to you. So, yeah, if, if you want to go hang out with the evil and, and don't deal with it properly and shut it down... Yeah. You know, then it's like you you will start doing terrible things, you yeah. know, and, and, and it's not the right way to go forward. Thankfully, most people are moral individuals, whether that's we can thank the wisps of Christianity for that in the West or whether mm-hmm. or not. Or maybe moral societies are more likely to form because that's how you do better. Like cooperation is better than stepping all over each other. But sure. But thankfully, most people seem to be OK, even for like even media sensationalism attacking the rights, for example, or even the alternative media attacking the left. I think mm. a lot of it is still sensational. So I think we're we're okay for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the danger zone seems to be when how would you put it? I guess when a certain number of when a when a tipping point is potentially reached, you know. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a historical expert, but I like to I try to know a little bit. I try to know a decent amount about most things or anything that's important as much as I can. And you know, if you look back on lots of the tragedies of the 20th century it's you know obviously human beings are social animals if one person as you've put it if one person gets overtaken by the shadow or evil or the devil or satan or whatever figure however someone wants to think of it Mm -hmm. then i mean a single person that happening to can cause a lot of destruction in itself but if it's um uh entire society or a large chunk of society i mean we all know that people act differently when they're as individuals than they do when they're in groups. We yeah. see that all the time, whether you're at a music concert or you're at a football match or a rugby match or any kind of sports, anything with a big crowd, you know that people behave differently because there's like diminished responsibility. Uh, people, I don't know, get caught up in the group think or the hive mind or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm sure a psychologist could explain it all better to me, but it's one of those phenomenons, phenomena mm. that we know happens. So I think you've had times, whether you're talking about, you know, Stalinist, Stalinist Russia, Nazi Germany, you know, more, even more recently, I mean, some of the stuff in South Africa, both now and during apartheid or, you know, the stuff that happened, the Rwandan genocide, when people literally started killing their neighbors, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, not even people of from a different country. You know, this is this is people who were literally like living next door to each, you know, it's like something just came over people and possessed them. It, it's a bit, I mean, it's the, it's the oldest story in the book, literally, where if someone does something bad and it's a lot easier to feel absolved of the responsibility if someone else also did something bad. So it's like, okay, if thousands of people are running around doing bad things, if you have a, or a part of you wants to do something bad, it feels a lot easier to justify it because you're like, oh, well, everyone else, everyone else is doing it. Don't just look at me. Again, leads down a, a 
uh, awful road. Anyway, let, let's let's talk let's let's talk a little more positive. Let's talk about how how people can uh, <laughs> let's not let's not uh, <laughs> let's not depress people. How so? How do, how do we as a society as a culture pull ourselves out of what could be a potential nosedive or a downward spiral? That's the the problem with society is so multifaceted. I don't really know the route necessarily. So so one thing I like to think is if everyone became a Christian in the strict sense of acting like Christ, so not necessarily a Catholic, not, mm-hmm. not, not like a Protestant, if everyone behaved like Christ, then we'd probably be in a pretty good place because Jesus was a pretty good guy. Like, like Archetypally, he represented the good and, and the, the ultimate man, whatever, you know. But because we can't believe in a metaphysics anymore because of science, I mean, it's very difficult, mm-hmm. then the solution becomes very, very difficult to do. So I, I think it's simply a case of you need to have some kind of vision for yourself because you're an individual with your own hopes and dreams and personality and, and your own story in the past. And it's like, you will have a desire just mediated biochemically. Even if you want to be the strictest atheist possible in the world, you have a desire biochemically to go and achieve certain things, whether that be greatness or money or Mm -hmm. love or things of that nature. And it's like, wouldn't your life be far better off if you were in that particular direction now and the funny thing is about positive emotion is it's actually it comes about through the mere action of moving towards a goal you don't actually have to have it you just have to mm-hmm. move towards it so so it's like if, if you want if, if you want to earn a certain amount of money a year then that would make you happy and that's your desire for example it's like one that keeps you distracted so that you don't become evil and obsessed with ideology which, yeah. which is pretty good but the mere act of going towards it gives you positive emotion mm-hmm. so, so so people especially young people had some kind of mentoring some kind of encouragement either from their peers or people older than them that this is the way life works and this is the way you get meaning from your life through moving towards something positive mm-hmm. that would be very very useful i think um if people removed some of their ideology would be absolutely fantastic so it's this vicious good versus evil dynamic we're seeing in society sure you know that anyone who is who's republican is evil Anyone who is a conservative is evil, and vice versa on the other side. It's just yeah, dominant. sure. It's just, it's just dominant, but that would be that would do fantastically. So it's like when, when it comes to Brexit in this country, it's like I'm a little bit terrified. For example, at the time of recording, if Brexit doesn't go ahead, it's like mm. what what's going to happen then? Because it's not just politics as usual. And over the last few years, it hasn't been politics as usual. It's been yeah. terrifying. So to get some clear-headed thinking of. It's like people have been retracted into the unconscious where, where they're, they're like living amongst God and Satan and all these archetypal characters. And mm-hmm. like they're the ones controlling them. So it's not them being a rational person. They don't identify as person anymore, as you with your own story. And like bad things will happen and good things will happen. It's yeah. suddenly I am in a mythic landscape of good and evil. And my sole purpose is to take out this evil. It's like that unbelievably damaging unbelievably yeah. damaging uh, two things i could think of i think we should radically improve society what do you think what do i think Ooh, as you've said it's it's very multifaceted i think that oh gosh i've been i've been thinking about this and talking about it with the various people actually for the last couple of days mm-hmm. um from my brother to my girlfriend to a couple of friends as well it's um it's tricky i'm a believer that Everything starts with I, I tend to think of things as almost like concentric circles. So I think that, you know, starting with the individual, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, each individual 
seeking to be as good as they can be and to but i think that in itself is tricky because what people consider good what people consider correct what people consider moral i think it's very apparent that that's very subjective and it seems like for some people it's almost a mirror image of what it is to other people mm. so in one person acting in a way that they believe is correct and right and virtuous another person can be acting in the way they think is correct right and virtuous yet those people can be opposed and one can think that the other is evil both directions as you sort of alluded to mm. so that's pretty bizarre i do think it comes down to the individual i you know like you said i think if people are focused on achieving their own girl goals having goals to begin with and setting their life on that course then yeah that that's a wonderful start i think also see la labels are a funny thing because labels can certainly be useful um, mm. it's, it's hard to have a language and to categorize anything if you don't have labels, but labels can also be really destructive. So if you consider yourself, I mean, you see, you see this politically, you see it religiously. If you consider yourself a Christian, okay, then there are Christians who view non-Christians, whether that's people of other religious faiths or whether that is people who are agnostic or atheist, they view them as outgroup right mm. so they think okay i'm only going to associate with christians or i'm only going to be friends with christians which in itself is not christ-like because that's not actually what christ did which is interesting yeah um the kingdom it, of god is within every single individual yeah yeah and you know if you read the story of jesus christ he associated with a lot of people who a lot of people were not happy with him associating with and that's mm -hmm. actually quite a key part of the story if mm -hmm. um as far as i'm concerned so i think the labels have gotten too heavy Right. So people thinking of it's like liberal versus conservative or the left versus the right. I always try not to use those terms. I try not to refer to the left or the right in general, because I, I don't like to talk about things being social constructs, but that actually is a social construct because nobody is just one thing. And mm. those those groups are not real, like the whole idea of there only being two political viewpoints isn't. Mm. Uh, that's not even real it was just you know i think it was what the french parliament those terms came from and they had yes. a left wing of the parliament they had a right wing of the parliament and to this day people are still just trying to split it just cleanly into two and it's like no first of all everyone's just a person and everyone has different ideas i mean i think one sign that people are not really thinking for themselves clearly is when they completely align with every single viewpoint on any one side yeah okay if I know someone's views on guns or I know someone's views on how much tax rate should be for someone earning a certain amount, and then I can, based on that one thing, I can determine all the rest of your views, that's a sign that you're not really thinking all that clearly. Mm. Um, that's, that's a really that, intelligent observation, actually. I, I really think so because, yeah. because it's, it's like if – if they believe one thing and therefore believe the entire packet, who's in yeah. control? Is it you or is it the idea? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, th I think, you know, if you're thinking clearly, I mean, that's why I don't like to, I don't particularly like to politically label myself because I've got some, you know, depending on the specific issue, right? Mm. If you, I don't know, depending on each specific thing what my view is categorized at, all right, on some things I'd be considered a liberal, on some things I'd be considered 
libertarian on some things i'd be considered conservative it just yeah, depends same, same with me same thing yeah, yeah, like, are just, you on the right or on the left yeah it's like issue to issue right so mm. they're very deeply correlated but mm. they shouldn't all necessarily be certainly i mean it makes sense maybe if you're 70 percent one way and 30 percent, you know that would mix but if it's like a hundred and it's predictably a hundred then and, and you see that a lot now it's like why can i predict everything you think because I've no, I know, I know one of your mm. viewpoints that that doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense, man. So yeah, uh, coming back to it, I think that the labels need to, I think we need to just chill, chill down a little and realize that, you know, everyone's on the same team, all right? If you live in the UK, we, we've all got to live in the same country. We've all got to get on. If you live in America, you all live in the same country. You've, you've all got to get on. You didn't, you didn't all hate each other 10 years ago. So why suddenly, you know, it's the same people for the most part, unless you're angry at the children. So it's the same people, right? Your neighbor hasn't suddenly changed or become a fascist or a Nazi or whatever label you'd like to throw out there because they happened to vote red in the last election. So yeah, just, just coming back to the humanity, you know, treating people as you'd want to be treated, golden rule and dialogue. That's why I want, that's actually why I wanted to do this podcast because in the long term, I'd like to get all kinds of different guests on here with all kinds of different views, you know, understanding, understanding other people's perspectives, you know, the things are not some things are black and white, but a lot of stuff is not. And people have different views and people have different perspectives. It's also funny because, you know, we're living in the age of people making, talking a lot about diversity, okay? And if you've got diversity, that should mean you've got different viewpoints and different opinions and different ideas. Mm. That's I'm just the, about that's, to ask you, diversity of what specifically? Yeah, I mean, diversity is what, that's the kind of diversity that I personally care about. Some people will be like, oh, you're... You're a Tory, you're conservative. I think viewpoint diversity makes more sense than having people with different levels of melanin or different sexualities, but who all generally agree on 98% of stuff. Like that's not mm -hmm. really diversity. You could have a room of old white men or a room of 10 young black women, and you could have a ton of diversity of opinion in each of those rooms. <laughs> you know, the idea that everyone who fits in a certain demographic thinks the same way is pretty offensive <laughs> to, to, yes it is to, that's, to that's very interesting it's, it's very it's, deep it's very deeply offensive i mean it's, 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 it's like race doesn't exist but we need to represent all the different races it's like yeah. why doesn't make yeah. any sense and then, then it's like why wouldn't you want to have diversity by iq for example so like that's way more significant as way more bearing on your we'll say performance in society why not that right. why, why not diversity right. of wealth in, in the room right. yeah, it's like you, you could pick you could be anything Wait. absolutely anything eye color you know, like you, you can you can go down it forever. I mean, I can understand to a degree, but especially in certain areas, why you'd want some form of diversity at like the surface level, right? I th I can see in certain certain areas, not not everything, but I can see in some areas. I don't know if you're a, I don't know if you're working for an advertising agency and you don't want to create an advert that's blatantly offensive to women it's probably handy to have a couple of women who are helping in the decision making process so you know well, I can, well yeah it's like in that example some, male male sense of humor is kind of it could be yeah. a bit more offensive so yeah, I, yeah, exactly, I, 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 exactly. I suppose with that but then your idea is like a separate from the ideology itself it is. because when people promote diversity they're not promoting diversity they're they are promoting an assault on categorization as such mm. we don't we don't want categories here at all you know that so but you're like okay this may be a pragmatic strategy for this which is actually exactly what you're saying it aligns very well with it i'm not on the left yeah. or the right i'll be a clear thinker in attack something that's psychologically healthy to yeah. me 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, like with everything, you know, again, we said we're not going to talk about, you know, there being binary two sides. But if someone wants to think of it that way, both sides on most things have valuable insights and opinions and perspectives. On each issue, I might lean more one way or the other, like most people do. But the idea that one is just right and the other is wrong is it's it's so juvenile and immature that I like some of the people who trot that out, I'm quite upset with because I'm like, I thought you were smart. Like, how can you think it's as simple as this half is right, that half is wrong? It's like if you think that tens of millions of people in your country are just idiots or worse because their view on something is different to yours, then... I mean, that, that's actual bigotry. Again, this is why it's funny because it kind of, it all becomes very ironic because it's like, well, if I believe that my thoughts and views and opinions on everything are correct and that's unchanging and anyone who doesn't agree with me on everything, therefore, is wrong and I is stupid, that's almost by definition bigotry. That's, mm. you know, um, I'm not even... So it's 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 very weird. I mean, one thing that jars me, I guess, is hypocrisy. We can all be hypocritical to a degree, and we all are. But I think that it's just so it strikes me as so odd when people are saying something, and I'm just like, can you not see that you are literally contradicting what you are saying as you're saying it? Mm. Um, I, 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 I find it absolutely fascinating as well, where people think that we're not religious anymore. It's complete mm. and utter rubbish. It's like, <laughs> just because you say you don't explicitly believe in God doesn't mean that you're not a religious person. So we've almost evolved to see the world in that way. Yeah. It's like, this is exactly what these people are doing. They've like replaced Jesus with Karl Marx. Some of them, he's like, he's right. He was the, he was the prophet. He's like mm. this, this divine guy. And then you've got almost got these gods in, in the sky, which is like feminism, diversity. And they'll keep these things up. And the thing is, if you attack them, they'll respond as if they're defending a god. Oh, yeah. Sure. Like, like, like myth- mythologically speaking, it's like I will put my life on, on, on the line, like how the Crusaders put their, their life on the line for God and, and England. Mm. Things like, it's exact same way of thinking. You know? and, and, and it's funny, like, like religious people are all so stupid and they don't know what they're doing. It's like, well, the religious people who stuck to their traditional roots, generally speaking, aren't sinking the entire country. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in those soft terms because I'm feeling yeah. nice. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely unbelievable to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is odd. It is odd. I think what's weird to me is the way that it's like, I don't know how much of this is just social media and ideas spreading, but also just having a view into so many people's brains. So I don't know how much of this is just social media, um, but it does seem that in the past, I would say, Five to six years, a lot of this stuff does seem to have accelerated. It seems to have accelerated. I mean, I finished university 11 years ago or so. And when I was in university, all of this, I don't know what you want to call it, culture war stuff, you know, maybe, you know, there were little glimpses of it here and there, but generally it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. You know, people, there wasn't this chill. You know, I've had a couple of students tell me that they feel a little bit of a chill on their university campus uh, oh, you know, I've, they, I've received a death threat uh, from, from a professor that i told you about you received a death threat from a professor yeah oh yeah an actual death threat uh, yeah like he told me to my face you should die a professor yeah um i'm not i'm not big on reporting people but i think that should be reported. <laughs> i i think that should i think that one's worthy of, well, uh, well it's, it's, it's interesting you did computer science didn't you university 
So, so it, it might be clustered around some of the other subjects because I work at university as okay. a PhD student and science is okay. We, we get the posters on, on the wall, the standard diversity stuff, but that's about it. But, but then when you actually, I was drinking with one of the professors and he had a few pints and I mentioned that I voted for Brexit because yeah. God forbid I'm part of the 52% or something that voted Brexit. Okay. It, it, like it's his face, it changed to, like, the best way I can describe it is it changed to the look of Satan on his face. <laughs> like, 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 like the happy smiley just went, yeah. you could wow. like see, see just the depths of what he was capable of. And, and he was swearing at me. He told me I'd ruined his daughter's life. He said that I was a, it, was, it was a racist, bigoted Nazi and that me and everyone else like me should be lined up against the wall and shot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And my, 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 my friend will say who was the opposite to me politically. Once that was over, he turned to me and was like, I'm on your side now. Like, not politically, <laughs> but like, there's a more important thing to fight here. Wow. So, Wow. Yeah. I've, I've had people say some harsh stuff to me, but that's, um, I don't think anyone suggested that. Wow. That's, that's deep. That's guy. That's, that's pretty disturbing that that's from a professor at your university. Mm. Um, I'm not going to announce who it was. A similar thing happened with another professor a few weeks later. Really? Like, like I'm not, I'm not quiet on, on politics. We'll say I like to talk about things, but yeah. in really reasonable terms, like I'm talking to you, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To you now and it's like, but people, this is the thing. People won't come at you on the political realm. They'll come at you at the religious realm. That's what I hinted at at the beginning. I was saying self-improvement, philosophy, theology, they're the same thing. It's that structure of good and bad. It's, it's the exact same thing here. It's like yeah. they're operating on you evil. You equals Hitler. They, they just really low resolution view of you. Everyone else in your category, they equate it with Hitler because it's all undesirables in your brain. That's it. It's it's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. I mean, I I mean, you you followed me on Twitter for a while. I mean, I, I last year last year for whatever, I took my filter off a little bit on Twitter. And I mean, I've <laughs> over the last year I, I received some some interesting uh some interesting insults heard held my way. Yeah, you, you must have great fun because you've got like yeah. 18,000 followers or something. Yeah, you? you know what I mean? But it's it's kind of funny when someone calls a, you know, me as a young black guy calls me a Nazi or a white supremacist. Good um, job. And Good job. you're, you're, you're kind of like, <laughs> and it, it's it's so absurd. And everyone else can see that it's so absurd. It doesn't really bother me. We've reached the stage where, I don't know. A, a white guy can call a black guy a white supremacist and a Nazi and not see, no pun intended, any potential, like, just wait, what, like, let me think about this. <laughs> let, let's think about this for a second. Does this, does this make sense? Is this even possible? Like, you're just, what? And needless to say, what I said to provoke those reactions had nothing to even do with those things. It was a complete unrelated topic. It was just, I, it, you disagree with me, therefore you must be the worst avatar. What, what's the worst thing I can think of? Okay, if you disagree with me, then you are that, right? A lot of people are not very high resolution thinkers, you know, the worst thing they can think of, okay, Nazi. So regardless of someone's <laughs> race or actual beliefs or positions, I'm just going to call them that because that's what I think. And then you've, yeah, like you said, you've got the whole, um, you know, I remember last year where that was trending. Was it last year or the year before people were talking about punching Nazis? And, you know, if everyone is now a Nazi, then I'm almost like, how is this word even resurfaced? Right. I, I, like, I think like, I think I like, some 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 who, idea about why it's there. But you're kind of like, who is even the way people talk about these terms? People are talking about Nazis and fascists and whites. And I'm like, where? A couple hundred sad people in America 
who are all about that. You know, I'm aware that exists. You know, there was a time when that was a, a genuine major threat, you know, in the history of America. But the way people are talking about it now, yeah, it's like you'd think that it was on the rise or something. Somehow every conversation turns to Trump within an hour. But people talk about, you know, people talk about Trump being this or that. Or one of the biggest criticisms of him, and this is a fair criticism, is that some of his rhetoric in the past or in the present is too inflammatory, too offensive, not presidential, et cetera. Those are all very valid criticisms. But then often some of those people who are criticizing him will be doing very much the same, if not worse, and not even sometimes just saying things, but acting on it as well. And, you know, going out and attacking people or calling people such things and calling people certain things is almost it almost makes it okay to then physically attack them, right? Because if someone mm. is genuinely, if someone is genuinely advocating Nazism or white supremacy or some murderous ideology, then there's a, you could make a moral case to attack that person mm. because it's, you know, that's how, you know, the, the Nazis weren't defeated by being kind. It, they, you know, they were defeated through force. So, I, th I think, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous using that rhetoric for one, because mislabeling people, if, if you are not something and I call you something awful and I spread that to other people, that's, that's got its own problems. And then also the words lose their power mm -hmm. because if you start calling everybody, if you start calling a standard conservative or a standard libertarian or a standard centrist or a classical liberal, if you start calling them Nazis, then if a real one comes along and then you shout it again, you know, it's a boy who cried wolf, you, you, you scream it again. I don't now know if, okay, do you act, is this actually a serious threat or, or do you just mean it in the rhetorical, silly way that people have been using it over the past few years? How do I know? Like, there's no word to use now. It's like, well, if everyone else is that, then you need a new word. You know, you've, you've called all these people far, right? So, you now, is he far, far, far? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you, you need to use terms properly. And I think, you know, I think that's a mistake a lot of journalists have been making with all this sense, you know, making everything so sensational. Over time, people become numb to these words and start becoming skeptical. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I just think people need to be a lot more careful with their words and their language. That's what I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. You do need to be careful with, with words and language. But I'm, I don't know if it's pessimistic or optimistic, but it seems like we've replaced God and Satan mm -hmm. with tolerance as God and Hitler as Satan, something like that. Mm. So, so, so we, don't, we don't have a Satan anymore, we have Hitler, because everyone universally agrees that Hitler was the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. So, so when, they see, when they see Trump, they see mm. bad, and then bad is a reflection of Satan. So whereas in the past it would be like the Antichrist, for mm. example, now it's you are Trump or, or, or you are Hitler. So it's like, mm. that becomes very, very dangerous. And it's like, okay, what, what about other things? So, so white supremacists and Nazis, they're all Hitler. And then it's like, what if you're a conservative? Well, then you're kind of like a dragon type mm. thing. You're, you're like a threat. You're not quite as bad as Satan, but you're mm. one of his like dragons and demons. So, so it's <laughs> one of his minions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what you were saying there is perfectly reasonable, but it's, it's, not, it's not something you can just sort of throw away that, People do listen to those arguments. People try and convince them, but they're mm. not convinced. I'm yeah. wondering like, why that is. And it's, it's as if they're not <laughs> operating on, on the rational realm, as if they've shut off to it. 
Yeah. It's like, like I, I sincerely think, just through reading Carl Jung, I sincerely think that the autonomous contents in their unconscious, the actual beings in there, which which exist separately to you, and everyone has them. It's mm. just part of, part of the process of maturation and individuation to come to terms with them. I actually think they've, in like a collective sense, possessed certain people. And I, yeah. I don't mean like gods in the sky. I mean specific contents of the unconscious, the things that make you think religiously because they can't think religiously anymore will latch onto this because you can't get rid of that energy. Yeah. So it's like, what the hell is the solution to that? If, if I'm correct, this, this seems to roughly be what, what the Jordan Peterson view is. Mm. And then his solution mm. is well, we need to teach people to have meaning. And that seems to be working, right? But what we do know is that the current way that people are behaving is going to make Hitler way more likely to come back. Because yeah, like, as, as, as you said, like the white supremacists are really not popular because it's not a convincing argument. White no, supremacy not. is not a convincing argument. No, you know, it's, 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 it's really silly. But then also neither is the diversity stuff. It's not a convincing argument. Mm. So yeah. it's like, hmm, what are you doing to these people? Yeah. Like, like, and, why would somebody turn to that? And it's interesting that you said that, you know, to some people, tolerance is is God. Something. And yeah. And I think it's interesting because it's again, it's. There's certain words which it seems to me, it seems very apparent to me over the last few years that, again, they have different meanings to different people. So diversity is one of them. Tolerance is certainly one of them. Fairness is one of them. Equality is one Mm. of them. So I think depending on someone's ideology or lack of, those words can mean really different things to different people. So if someone says fair, okay, I I have a certain mean, like to me. (laughs) people are going to call me something for this but i think okay if i think fair i think okay a 20 percent income tax rate that everybody pays is fair because everybody is paying the same percentage okay Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who would be like oh my goodness you like a flat you know like how's that that's that's deeply unfair Mm -hmm. because the people who have more should pay a higher percentage but the way i interpret fair i interpret fair generally as the same rules being applied to everyone. So if I am, I mean, flat tax, I mean, rich people still pay more tax because, you know, 20% of a million pounds is a lot more than 20% of 25,000 pounds. So so it's a a weird one because people will say something like, okay, it needs to be fair. But that in itself is a problem because fair doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Like who decides what is fair? You've got people saying, okay, uber rich people should pay 80% income tax. Okay. And to me, I'm like, whoa, what? Like I'm, I'm not in that category, but I'm just like, how's that? Like, forget about the effect on incentives and innovation and, you know, stuff like that. And people not leaving the country. I'm just like, how, how is that justifiable? How is that fair? If I make, or someone makes X amount of money off of their own work and ingenuity, and we're just going to come in and confiscate it under the threat of prison or fine. To we're just going to come and take 80 percent of mm. that margin. I'm just like, how? I, like to me, you know, there's people there's people who happily advocate this stuff, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I guess maybe I le- I lean very libertarian in this regard, but I'm kind of like, how is that? justified because if anyone other than the government were doing that you would call it theft right if 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 the mafia was doing that you would call it 
extortion. All right. We're just going to go around and we're just going to. So to me, it's not any different. Mm. To me, it's not any different. I'm not a politician. I'm not the one who makes these decisions, but I'm just like, how is that? You know, something like that to me, it just seems to be completely driven by resentment. It just seems oh, yeah, like, it is. yeah, it just seems completely because I've never heard a sound. I've never heard a sound, rational argument as to why that is morally justifiable. I can understand someone saying, oh, well, it would be better for everyone else. But I'm kind of like, yeah, but to force if, if that rich guy wants to give 100 percent of his money to charity, like God bless him, you know, God, God bless him. If he wants to redistribute his own money, he should have he or she should have the choice to do that. And if they want to, if Bill Gates wants to give away 95% of his money when he passes away or whatever, you know, God bless him. I think that's a great thing. I think people should be charitable. And I think the more you have, the more charitable you certainly can be. And in fact, I think that should be a driver for people. Mm. But the notion that you're just going to force, you're going to force them literally at a gunpoint, you're going to arrest them. Otherwise, you're going to throw them, throw them in prison for wanting to, I'm just like, that's one that I'm, I'm quite hard line on because I'm, you know, politically, I don't really shift on that one because I'm just like, there's no moral, you can't morally justify this one to me. Well, well it's going to say it depends what you mean by moral. It's like, in, yeah, yeah. in, in our <laughs> traditional sense, but it's, it's like, if you can create, if, if morality is arbitrary, you can just create your own morals. It's like, yeah. well, well, why is it you using, it's not even force, but it's like, why is you having more money than that person? Not fair. You must have got there through privilege. Mm. It's like it's, it's it's not built on coherent arguments, but people still believe it. So then you got to ask the question, why? So it's got it's got some kind of energy charged into it. It it is is a resentful, it, it's a resentful type of energy that also reflects that I'm a moral person and want to help people. Mm. But but so the type of argument you were doing is way more standard. It's like is force good or bad unnecessarily? There's that yeah. most people say that's bad. Why is it bad? Well, something along the lines of. A society cannot exist long term if people behave like that. So yeah. morality is like a strict social code. It's mm. like, so if you can start defining it however you want, it, it doesn't work. We know what happens to those societies where the government forcibly takes money off people. It's never yeah. worked. Never worked ever. Not, not one single solitary instance. So mm. what's the motivation for people believing in it? So that's a good question. A very good question. I think these people should have a, should try and answer it for themselves. Yeah, it's... So maybe some of it is even empathy, because, again, this is not like me defending if I were like some multimillionaire, uh, which uh, hopefully I will be one day, but I'm not right now. It would be easy to say, oh, he's just saying what is in his personal favor. And it's like, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not Jeff Bezos. I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not some multibillionaire. I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. But I recognize that those individuals have well, they've created that money legally. And in the process of doing it, they've also enriched directly um, in terms of making other people very wealthy, thousands, in terms of providing services that people value, millions, if not billions. Well, Facebook has 2 billion people, right? If you create something that 2 billion people want to use, you should be a billionaire. Yes. If, you, if, if, I've, yeah. if, I, if I make something that 2 billion people want to use and purchase or whatever... I've done something worthy of that. What I choose to do with that bi billion, what I choose to do with those billions, that's ultimately should be up to me. I mean, yeah, sure, you you tax them like you tax anyone else. I, I'm not saying that no degree. I think if you want to have public goods and services, obviously some degree of taxation is necessary. This is why I'm not like a, you know, that's why I'm not a hardline every, anything. I'm not a hardline, pure, 100% libertarian or anything like that. Libertarianism is kind of like a, a starting point. 
formula yeah. a lot of things and then you know you've got to seed some ground because it's like okay well yeah you've got you, you you want to have some public goods and services and that generally seems to work right it's not a i think pure libertarianism is just as much of a utopian idea as you know pure socialism i, I don't think yeah i, I agree libertarianism <laughs> seems to rely on the idea that everyone has to be really wise for it yeah. to work it's, it's like and that that is almost like as like I, i'd consider myself conservative because it's a cheap way of saying most of my stuff aligns with that yeah. but, but it's like the, the libertarian one is everyone's not going to be wise because no. that's how that society needs to run because everyone has to behave themselves like people aren't going to behave themselves no uh, you, you you need some there, there needs to be more of a framework mm. and you've got certain things i mean you've got you've got yeah military roads you've got certain public goods that Yes, a private company can do a lot of things, but there's a lot of reasons why you don't want absolutely everything necessarily to be privatized. Right? And I say that as someone who's very big on the free market and free market capitalism. So, mm. but yeah, I mean, what's interesting, I think what lots of this boils down to is a, a a lack of nuance, a lack of nuance, you know, just lots of black and white thinking of just, okay, it's this or it's this rather than recognizing that sometimes two things can be true at once or five things can be true at once or mm -hmm. there could just be a problem and you've got different potential ways of solving it and one person thinks that this is the best way another person thinks that this is the best way that doesn't necessarily mean that you know assuming none of them are trying to harm or kill anybody it doesn't mean that those ideas are evil or that that person is terrible or needs to be demonized or anything like that so one thing I did want to, uh, one thing I do want to touch on is uh, a project that you are working on, which I mm. saw you recently posted the first video on your YouTube channel, which is a lecture series that you're beginning on Dante's The Divine Comedy. I am going to be honest and say that I am completely clueless when it comes to Dante's work. I have not read any of it. I just know the name. So why don't you give me a little overview of The Divine Comedy? what it's about and why it's meaningful to you because i am a complete rookie mm, well people when they want to improve their lives they'll they'll jump to mentors for example and they, they might jump to books like the seven habits of highly successful people how to win friends and influence people mm -hmm. but uh, as i said earlier i think that that's just the, it's just a higher level of the deeper philosophy stuff dante's inferno will sort your life out completely specifically inferno so the, okay. the, the divine comedy basically is Dante in like the year 1300. This was written between 1308 and 1320. It's him going down into hell, what, looking at every single circle of, uh, of, of of hell. So what he does is he is he will create a punishment, though creating is the wrong word for it. Unconsciously crafting a punishment informed by traditional morality for each different type of sin whatever you would consider to be a sin. So he's mm. going through and seeing all the absolute horror around him, gets to the bottom of hell and sees Satan himself. He gets a bit scared about that. He doesn't like that very much. And he goes back up again. And he climbs up Mount Purgatory. So like this, this actual mountain structure with all the people who aren't quite in heaven, but are kind of acting towards it. You know, they didn't quite give up their addictions. And then mm. they go up to heaven and they see all the people up there. Now, what, what's fascinating about this story is, one, it's it's in large part responsible for every single subsequent piece of literature and way of thinking afterwards. Therefore, it's responsible in large part for Western civilization. It's absolutely mm. fascinating. Now, what I like to think about with this work is, and works like this in general, replace the religious stuff with psychological stuff. And it's like every single state of eternal being you see of somebody 
like like if say say if they're like addicted to pornography is one of them or addicted to sex would be one of them mm. that's your life right now and that's what you're suffering from so the actual so what what happened what those people were doomed to do was to spin around the room controlled by a wind for all eternity in great pain and that's what people who are addicted to something do that's mm. their life they're pulled from one side to the other oh i've got to go have a drink gotta go do this gotta go do this so he's actually reflecting you are currently in hell, metaphorically speaking, because mm -hmm. of this. And this is the precise nature of your personal hell. Okay. It's, it's like re reflecting it in artistic metaphorical language, mm -hmm. especially if, if I think taught correctly, which I really hope I do a good job with, should hit your imagination hard enough, which normal rational arguments don't, that it will help you sort your life out. Okay. So in terms of practical steps. Mm. If someone is, if someone listening to this right now is struggling with any of these addictions or anything else, whether it be video games or substances or anything like that, what would you, I don't know if you're, if you feel you're, you're qualified to say this, but <laughs> what would you, what would you recommend to them? Do you have any words of inspiration for them or any practical steps you feel they can take? Maybe anything you've done in your own life that is helped to get you over any of those you've had in the past or to insulate you and protect you from them? Mm. Yeah, I've gotten over a few big addictions, I'd say, over the last few years that were tearing me to pieces. Mm. Like, like Alcohol was one of them, for example. Now, I'm not a psychologist and psychologists tend to be more compassionate. But, but my approach to that would be you are an animal, so you have to have compassion with yourself. It's like you didn't get yourself addicted necessarily. It's the natural structure of your brain gave you the proclivity to want to keep engaging in this. Like you made a stupid mistake to begin, but now you're suffering because of that one mistake. Mm. You know, it's like life is hard. You've got to have compassion with yourself. But the first thing like what I noticed with me is you actually have to want to quit. So like when, when I was smoking, for example, it was like I didn't really want to quit. It's like, sure. well, lung cancer is like 50 years off. It's like, why would I care, right? Mm. So I actually went and read the literature on lung cancer. And I was like, I'm not going to get it now. Why would I care? So th the first thing you need to do is actually want to quit. And it sounds so patronizing, but that it's true. Yeah, you sure. Know, it, yeah. And then you have to, this is what worked for me, create some kind of hell for yourself. It's like, what's going to happen now if I don't, if, if I don't get rid of this? Mm. Like, what will my life look like? Okay. And that, that, that should give you sufficient motivation to move forward. And then also crutches and support groups. It's like, if, it's like with, with, with cigarettes, I only quit them fairly recently. Okay. Um, it's like I went onto a vape and that helped. It's like no okay. shit there. You know, yeah. it's like if you're an alcoholic, go to AA, get other people to help you. It's yeah, like, of course. Like want to quit and then have the compassion to be humble. Like look after yourself, get other people to help you. Use crutches. Like because the consequences of not doing so, if you create a health for yourself, you'll know are pretty bad. Yeah. And so, yeah, so if people think about that and they have a very clear idea of what that hell looks like, mm. then they'll naturally emotionally be driven to avoid it. It's like it's a good start. That's the best possible start. It won't get you all the way. But yeah. It's like what you need initially if you're suffering with something is just get that start going. Awesome. Awesome. My plan for this podcast was for it to run for roughly an hour and i think we're about at that mark so is there anything before we go that you want to particularly say i will t tell the listeners to follow you at james p dowling on twitter and what else are you on uh so i'm also on youtube which is youtube.com slash james p dowling okay um, they, those are the two main things that you can you can follow me on and you should get sufficient updates and all of all of the cool stuff that I'm doing because it's ramping up in 2019 and it's like it's looking awesome. very very exciting and I look forward to seeing it man and we'll definitely talk again bro 
Absolutely, man. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, the time flew by, can I say. Awesome, man. Yeah, no doubt. We'll talk soon, man. Have a good one. Sweet. You too, brother. Bye-bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.